Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the IAB UK podcast from the IAB. I'm James Chandler and this week's episode is a reunion of sorts as I welcome back Rocket CEO James Erskine and Beth Oddy, UK Client Director at Tribe to get into what's changed in the world of influencer marketing since we last spoke months ago when COVID lockdowns were biting hard. And if that wasn't enough, we were joined by blogger Lana, who is the stylish voyager on Instagram, and YouTuber Evan Erdinger to form the IBUK podcast first ever quintet. Given Lara is all about voyaging, the clues in the Insta handle, and Evan is a US expat, now fully-fledged British citizen, I was curious to understand how the last 18 months of on-off lockdowns had impacted the content they were making. On top of that, we chew over difficult second album syndrome and dispel the myth that influencer marketing is somehow unattainable and unsuitable for small brands. If you're a Love Island superfan, you might want to give this one a miss, or at the very least, skip ahead around 15 minutes in. But I start with James, asking him what's changed in influencer marketing since we last spoke on the pod over a year ago. I suppose the first thing is um, an anecdotal thing where we're trying to slowly discover, to use a phrase that was said an awful lot a year ago, we're finding out what the new normal is. So who's going back to work? Who's going to the office? How have commutes changed? How have... The, the behaviour patterns of audiences shifted. But then also, if you like, through a prism of digital, we're seeing some things that we've hung on to from what was happening in lockdown. I point to digital live events are still being punctuated. We didn't all anticipate tuning into Joe Wicks at the start of the first one, and less people are doing it now, but there's still some kind of pillars that are happening live and also I think in social channels things are starting to settle down a bit and we're finding out what habits there are of course all through the prism of the uh, incredible rise of TikTok so um, so yeah I think that's some of the big changes. What's been happening with Tribe Beth is 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 the model changed at all is the the type of talent that you're working with changed at all? Um the model and talent hasn't changed necessarily. I think we've just seen a real change in how both brands and creator side are working with us. So um, I think the last year has really taught everyone that we need to be really reactive, really agile, able to pivot quite quickly, mm. working really fast rather than having maybe these more longer tail campaigns where you're really working on approaches for a long time. It's about um, we've seen brands really tapping into you know our creator network, not just for those types of campaigns in mind but for you know where they've had to change messaging if they need content just for their website for example or for their paid activations and not even to be posted on influencers feeds so we've seen a huge rise um in that um and very much as well you touched on it there but with tiktok Mm. that that space is so interesting i think you know as a platform we're working directly with them and getting that implemented into the platform kind of effectively and um, the wheels were in motion there and i think the developments in that space in terms of what tiktok are doing as a platform in social commerce that's going to be really really exciting in the months ahead uh lana your content i guess some of it is prefaced on you traveling all over the world to these incredible uh, glitz and glamoury places how's that <laughs> been for you in the last 18 months Well, to be honest, I'm lucky because my blog is kind of both about travel and fashion. Mm. So I could kind of get away with kind of um, steering towards fashion during the lockdown. And in terms of travel, you know, um, 
I suppose just like any travel blogger, we all kind of felt that sense of loss and shock, you know, when the lockdown mm. started and you kind of don't know what to do when you're locked, you know, locked in a one bedroom flat and there's only <laughs> so far you can travel in your flat. So, um, so you kind of have to think, well, do I go on the path of reusing the old content or do I create something completely mm. new? And for me, it was creating something completely new in my one bedroom flat, which was quite fascinating because it required learning new skills, buying a lot of new equipment, props, you name it. Mm. So, um, but in a way that pressure and that stress, well, that kind of turned into the positives, you know, because it, it pushed my creativity boundaries, mm. you know, and it's kind of like, if I can't take my followers on a journey in London or outside of, outside of London, what can I do something else then um, by maybe creating in my photos something abstract, kind of creating that world that I can kind of, you know, share with them. Yeah, and you're, for people that haven't seen your Insta grid, I mean, it's this thing of beauty. It's sort of this sort of permanent summer exuding color and happiness. <laughs> and yeah, it's sort of this, you know, if you're feeling having a down day, go and look at your grid. Well, that's what people said, actually, during the lockdown, because so many people, including myself, were struggling with mental health issues. Mm. Actually, that was one of the things that drove me every day because I knew people were messaging me from all over the world saying, my God, you made my day. I woke up, I saw this really cheerful, colorful photo. And thank you so much. You know, mm. And I kind of felt like I had a mission. It's sort of the little things that matter, isn't it? Yeah. When, as you say, we're sort of locked inside flats and things like that. Um, Evan, was the last sort of 18 months in the global pandemic a chance to take some risks with things and do things differently? Or is it about doubling down into what you know works? Well, luckily, I have two separate channels that I work mm. on. Um, so the travel one, obviously, I actually just put it completely in the back burner. I felt like I didn't have the capacity to work on that. So I just didn't travel. I figured I wouldn't repurpose old content. I wouldn't even make like, here's what I want to do. I just focused <laughs> on what I could do uh, on my, my main channel. And I improved my craft. I got better at photography, videography through just staying in my local area during yeah. lockdown. Um, and basically learning so while I couldn't leave I spent the time learning so that when I could leave uh, things are better I love that you you spent the time sort of getting better almost like an athlete would and you know you like find ways of sort of training body and stuff um in their own house you've done so much stuff I mean you've compared American TV with British TV you've looked at exams you've looked at you've got an NHS doctor to look at American healthcare oh, yeah. bills which was a which was a fun one what inspires you to make new stuff are you are you in the numbers in the data looking at the things that work or are you sort of taking inspiration from the world around you i just really like to share you know i i think as a creator i just like creating things and i like to share uh, my thoughts i've been doing it for like i don't know 11 years now mm. and it's always just been this innate desire to share what's going on what i'm thinking about uh, and my opinions on things and so being able to open people's eyes, especially if they're a bit more closed-minded. As someone who came from America and came from a family that's quite um, leaning in a certain Q way, you might say, it's important to me to talk to people from outside of my bubble to learn more and mm. talk to my audience and help them also want to expand their, their mental boundaries rather than just think the same way they've always thought. James, there's a 
the article in the FT today, which is talking about, it's actually very positive towards influencer marketing, but it's saying actually it works better for big brands who have got lots of stock and lots of different things. For for small brands, it's sort of slightly harder. The, it paints a picture. You're slightly at the mercy of the of the creator. I, I, you might dispute that. It's about, I think there are a couple of things in that article. I, I read it myself. One is around the small business and the, and the second is around managing the process. Let's look at influence marketing on a broad spectrum first. You wouldn't say that radio doesn't work. You wouldn't say that TV doesn't work. But what you might say is that those particular channels work to achieve a specific objective. So I think the first thing is about understanding the job that you are trying to do when you are delivering an influence marketing campaign. This, and the, the kind of the keynote I would give on that, which to be fair, the article does talk about, particularly in the example with the steak shop, a yeah. relatively small steak man, was around finding your niche and not finding the numbers, but finding people that care passionately about the space that your brand is in. And then the second part of the article that I thought was worth noting was, to your point, James, you're, you're, if you like, it's up to the creator how it works. I would disagree with that. I think the partnership is the one that should describe how it works because an agency is bringing along mm. the understanding of how it will work in the sales cycle and the purchase journey. The brand are coming along with their key messages and the creator can come along with what will work best for their content and how to get the most from their audience. And it's only when you're serving all three of those things that you get the best kind of content, whether that be a single Instagram post or indeed a, a three-year ambassadorial relationship. It's sort of interesting that they led with that picture of George Clooney Mm. and Nespresso and you kind of think, well, if that's how we think about this thing as this big global movie star with a big global brand, you know, it probably doesn't uh, doesn't get it. It's smaller brands, smaller businesses um, can get involved in this as well, right, Beth? You must be working with a whole bunch of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been touched on, but this whole year has just cemented the fact that it's all about connection and social media, that's what it's used for. It's used for connection. And actually sometimes those smaller, you know, disruptor brands that we often see across Instagram and TikTok are the ones you really connect with because they are a brand and they have a message and you really kind of relate to it as a brand itself beyond just the product. And I think there's no reason why smaller businesses can't utilize influencers who are genuine, you know, genuine brand fans, you know, real people. And when I say influencers, I mean, just real people, real yeah. creators who like the brands, like the products, genuinely use them and want to recommend them to their followers. Um, and actually, I think it's the best way for these smaller businesses to do that because you're connecting with, you know, creators, customers who are then connecting you to their followers who trust them. And it's a real loop of connection within a social space, which is all about that. And they do say at the end, to, to, to their credit, that you know, authenticity is key. Find people who love what you do and would use your products regardless of whether or not they get paid. And you know, that, that's the, the skill in working, with, in working with you guys, I guess. Uh, uh, Lana, what does the best brief look like when you work with brands? Are you someone who likes something quite prescriptive or, or is it you know, a really open brief that you can put your spin on? Well, unfortunately, I'm one of those people who the more instruction you give me, the better it will work out. Mm. And that's why, for example, platforms like Tribe are really good because when you read a brief, it tells you exactly what the expectations are from Mm -hmm. the brand. 
because a lot of times, you know, especially small businesses will approach you and say, well, I kind of want this and that. And then they just leave it up to you to come up with the content. And that gives you a lot of kind of creative freedom, you know, to do it the way you see it. But when it comes, for example, to paid uh, content, I definitely want to deliver exactly what they're expecting. And that's when, of course, a brief, a very detailed brief comes very handy. I think you think slightly differently, Evan. Uh, yeah, for me, it's like most of the opposite. I'd like information on what their top line is, what their goals are, and certain things they want me to hit on. Uh, but I actually detest when a brand tries to tell me how to make my content because it's mm. like, if you'd like to make it this way, how about you make it yourself? Because <laughs> I'm not you. I make my videos the way that I want to make them. And if mm. you'd like to integrate in, you can integrate into my style and I can say what you'd like in the right way. Mm. But I'm not going to completely change what I'm doing to basically put a cookie cutter ad that you want because then yeah. I lose my authenticity. You yeah. lose you just look bad. It's it's uh, uncomfortable for everyone. Um, yeah. But I think that's when you have certain numbers-driven marketing people at the company that don't necessarily vibe with influencer marketing in the correct way. But uh, Lana was correct. Like Having such a good information in the brief for specific things is so much more useful. Um, but I like the ability to give and take. Mm. I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with Evan on a few campaigns over the years, one for a couple of our university clients a few years ago. <laughs> and Evan is, he was one of the first to start asking, where does this brief come from? Is it a PR brief? Is it a direct response brief? If it, and I actually think that's a really, really good, important thing for, if, if you are a creator out there, understand the wider objectives of the campaign. And again, to exactly Evan's point, how can we work out a way of integrating a brand within to the activity that wouldn't come as a shock to the creator's audience? And also, the more you know, the more you're given, the more you can do what they want. So like, mm. if they don't tell you uh, they're interested in, let's just say, acquiring new users on sign up, you might promote it as a brand awareness campaign, uh, which yeah, won't yeah. be as effective. Some brands... Um, as well, actually leave briefs quite open in the app. Some some are more detailed, and we found, especially over the last year, where you've had to be more creative in mm. creating content in your flat and and what have you. The creativity is amazing. Like we see, you know, graphic designers, illustrators, people using the everything we've got on our phones. You know, like time lapse, stop motion videos, and sometimes when you leave the brief more open, the creativity actually. It, it, it's you know exceeds expectations and you get stuff back that maybe you hadn't thought of and can then inform maybe wider marketing activity as well because it's just yeah kind of widen your vision of what you can you can get from creators what do you think lana i just wanted to reflect on what um evan has said in terms of being authentic and that's very true because especially if you're creating content for your own feed you can't betray your followers. You have to stick with what works best for you. What's what's, you know, what is what feels genuine to you. And so that's when, of course, a certain degree of um, space to kind of you know come up with your own ideas is definitely always appreciated. However, when it comes to creating content for specific brand just for their feed, that's when I'm kind of more agreeable in terms right. of what they want to see it because then they're paying for it. They are, they're going to use it for their own purposes. And, you know, that's kind of a compromise. But then, of course, it also goes to a certain extent in terms of yeah. how many changes they want and things like that. Have either of you ever 
um, you know, got the brief, liked it, started working on it, and then just felt it just, it just isn't quite right. Or have you got quite a good radar for this is going to work for me? Uh, audience are really going to going to like this. Uh, I just wonder if you've ever kind of got into it and thought, mm, this isn't quite right. All the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up to a brief because I'll read the brief. It looks interesting. I can fit it in. Mm. And then the more I get into it, maybe I'll be like, this is asking a bit too much in a weird way. And I try and push back. And when there is too much pushback against my pushbacks, I will then drop it uh, because I'm just like, I, I, maybe I read it wrong. I've also had it where I signed a contract, was good to work with the brands. And then I didn't like the product. I tried using it for a week and it didn't do anything. And so I wasn't going to tell my audience about it. So I just had to say, unless you want me to give my honest opinion and say, this stuff is not working, uh, you should drop me from the contract. So that's what I have to do. But I think that's great. And I, and I think for, for anyone who says, um, there's a brilliant quote from a guy called Tom Goodwin who said that influence marketing is simply good looking people holding things in weird ways. That, that <laughs> kind of goes completely up against that because it's like, you know, the, the probably the easier thing for you to do is to, you know, take the money and get on camera and say how good it was. And for me, that just says that this is all about authenticity. Interestingly, I think there's an awful lot of influence and marketing that happens that doesn't look like what an awful lot of people think influence marketing is. Whether it be teeth whitening products on Instagram, whether it be George Clooney and Espresso. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a whole lot of work that's being done in an authentic, more layered, more, more professional way that isn't what the wider public's perceive as to be influence marketing. Yeah. I think there's just a massive difference between influencer marketing with Love Island vapid mm. cesspots and <laughs> other normal human people. So I think that's the difference. Um, any Love Island fans? Any, I, mean, I mean, Love Island fans will be deserting this podcast now. No, I agree. I love a bit of, of that. But I agree. It's about using real people. That's yeah. exactly it. You know, real creators who you follow because you relate to them and because they are like you and therefore you're going to trust when they're recommending products to you because you know they actually like them. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you're not going to work with a brand that's going to affect the followers that you have worked so hard to, mm. to build over time either. You want to maintain that relationship with them and only showcase products, services, etc. that that you actually like. And in defense of reality TV stars, some have huge <laughs> followings and some can do a job depending on whether it's the right job for a campaign or a specific brand. But it's about finding the right creators in the niches that are important for you. Yeah, and I think yeah, if you're out, if you're on a pure, you know, reach job, there's a job there. But I think yeah, you said it right at the top as well, James. It's not if you just think about it like that, you know, you're missing eighty percent of what's what's brilliant about this. Um, I follow a YouTuber, a guy called Archie Hamilton Racing. Don't know why I came across him once. Thought he was quite good. He um he bought a Range Rover and he did a load of content with it for two videos and in the third video he came on and he said i'm going to sell the range rover because it's not getting you lot aren't really watching it and you're not really into it so he went and brought a different car and i i would just love to get your take on that cuz it feels like people are following you cuz you're obviously sort of quite interesting but he seemed so um so obsessed with the views and the you know what was going on that he would 
the the relationship was the wrong way around. He's almost trying to like give people kind of what they wanted. I, like, have you ever been in that situation where you've um, maybe got into that rut of, oh, this stuff really works, so I just need to do more of this? Or are you always open to, well, you are, Lana, because you've told us about the last uh, 18 months and kind of doing things differently, but you're open-minded to like new things. You don't feel like, oh, God, this is what people want, so I need to get up in the morning and churn more of this stuff out. But you know, it's 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 really hard. It's a bit of a dilemma because, mm. um, for example, for Instagram, like it's you become so entrapped in it. You know, it becomes kind of a thing of its own because mm. you keep doing things, and then you're getting you know praise for certain content, and maybe something that you passionate about, you're passionate about, maybe it doesn't resonate with your audiences as much. So it's kind of it's sometimes you can get easily get carried away and kind of start doing what your audience is like and from time to time i think it's really important to take a stock of what are you doing what feels true to you um because integrity is very such an important thing so Mm. you kind of have to almost pull yourself out of this digital world and kind of reassess who you truly are and what you stand for well, who who keeps you honest, Evan? Who who's who's the person that can do that for you? Who's like, dude? You know, there's there's lots of this. It's starting to get samey or change up. Is there sort of someone you have or further on from the previous comment, but also onto that? That the answer to that would just be myself because I'm always making what I'm interested in, mm. um, and I find uh, I actually just spoke about this in the video that I've not even edited yet. Um, <laughs> but a lot of times as a creator, what you're doing is you're making videos. I'm trying, well, you guys can't see this. Um, <laughs> what you're doing is you're trying to make videos from a subset of things you're really interested in. And the audience that subscribes to you or watches you or follows you, they're interested in, in a different subset possibly. But when you create things consistently where those two subsets intersect with a large intersection, Mm. that's when you have that really happy Mm. marriage where you feel like you're creating things that are worthwhile. Your audience is really interested. Uh, And sometimes I do feel like things that I'm super passionate about are so niche that that subset is now just a little bit far and I don't get any views on it. Right. And it's annoying because that was something I really cared about. (laughs) Um, But that is just the way it is a lot of times. And uh, you just kind of have to balance between when you're going to be doing those super passionate side projects and the main bread and butter. Mm. And to answer that previous one, yeah, it's myself. I mostly make sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing and that I uh, keep on myself to make sure I'm not going crazy, burning out, or uh, like I said, shilling a product I don't like for money. Yeah. And James, I, I think it's almost, well, it's not as extreme as Archie selling his Range Rover. Mm. What I do think is worth noting is how creators evolve over time. So even somebody like Zoella was, was once young. She's a 26, 27-year-old woman now. She talks <laughs> about... Very, over the hill. Right, 31. No, there you go. So she's talking about content that's relevant yeah. to her as a 31-year-old. And other other creators have gone on a journey with some of their audience and will be picking up a new audience as they get to different stages in their lives. It's a really good, it's a really, really good point. <laughs> After two videos, done with the Range Rovers, though. I'm a good guy. <laughs> like, I'm now a Jeep. I'm not even a Jeep guy. I just drive like a smart car. I, re- I really hope Range Rover didn't give him the car. I mean, that'd be awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. This, Oof. This oh, so awkward. Working. I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Um, I mean, I know someone that got an espresso coffee machine for free, and um, she sillily, or if that's a word, 
in front of the Nespresso rep said like, I don't even like coffee. <laughs> so uh, influencer marketing yeah. faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing on earth with George? Well, they got George, they're fine. You know, George is, 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 is doing um, wonders for them. Um, I, I would love to finish on, uh, uh, and I mean, I talked about um, I talked about Archie and his Range Rover, but I would love to to get your take because the creator community is a very powerful one. Give us a, a a creator you admire or you look up to, or you just think we should we should check out. Why don't we start with you, Evan? I'd, I'd love someone from everyone if that's all right. Um. Ooh. Okay. It it really depends. Uh, I watch so much eclectic content these days on so many different topics. Um, but I think someone who I've watched the longest, who has stood the test of time and is a real testament to um, pivoting, changing, growing, um, and evolving as a creator is Philip DeFranco, who's one of the OG, like, Generation 1 YouTubers from 20, 2006. Whoa. And he's just had a news show. It's, he's American, but it basically just makes him a news show uh, four days a week, and he's built it out to a big team. He's got merch. He's uh, managed to keep this empire of his alive and be genuine to himself. Uh, and I respect that quite a lot. Nice. Beth, what about you? So I very much tend to follow, like I said before, more, I guess, what you call like micro creators, people that are really relatable. And it's always like, depends on what I'm into at the time. So at the minute, I like to think I'm into fitness, but I'm really not. <laughs> Just pretending. <laughs> but I'd like to follow creators that kind of motivate me in that mm -hmm. way. And there's one called Talila Henchos. She um, has a fitness platform called Club Five. And I just think she's brilliant. She's so real. She's managed to build up this platform of, of people that, you know, want to look after their health through lockdown. And it's now sort of her business that is still performing, you know, prior to lockdowns and, and everything lifting. And just has created this community of people who are friends, who work out together. Um, you know, she's really inspirational, but just a really normal, like, I just really relate to her because she's so normal and she just says it how it is. Um, so her at the minute. <laughs> nice. Lana, what about you? I have a couple to mention. So one of them is Alex Stedman. She is, I think her um, tag is the frugality. So she um, started as a fashion blogger, then evolved and now it's lifestyle. It's about her children, renovating house. It's just really amazing how she can make something look fabulous out of nothing. And another one is called, um, it's a YouTuber. It's called Bold and Minecraft. And okay. Yeah, and it's it's a British guy who actually lives in the former Soviet Union and goes into most bizarre places you would I even wouldn't go to. You know, like he'll climb the fences, he will have a drink with babushkas, you know, he will go to Chernobyl. I mean, <laughs> this guy is hilarious. And is he bold as in no hair or bold no as in grey? No hair, yeah. Okay, no bold. And then James, with you, you're not allowed to say one of the Love Islanders, I don't think. No, that's absolutely fine. I wasn't going to say, we work <laughs> with loads of children's book publishers. Mm. So my eyes have been open to the world of book talk over about last year. Mm. And particularly the creator Faith Young, who is, I think, a really good example of that space. And then if I can cheat, another one would be a boy called Callum Ryan. He was in the Icon House last year. What's, what's, the, what's the Icon House? It is a house that is purely created for social media content. Um, TikTok. And it's, it's TikTok. Yeah, it's well worth having a look at just to have it blow your mind. But what's <laughs> fascinating at the minute with Callum is he's slowly getting other members of his family. And his mum has just created a TikTok 
TikTok video that got over a million views. So well worth having a look. Oh, I've seen this. This is where he gets his mum to talk like a roadman. Uh, there is, yeah, there's another good one where his mum says, she's asked what's for dinner. She says nothing. And they said, but we had that last night. And she said, yeah, I made enough for two. <laughs> she's quite dry. She's quite, it's, it's just very old fashioned domestic roll your eyes type stuff, but delivered in a very clever way. The mum is going to end up outdoing him. He needs to be careful what he wishes that's for. The, that's the goal. And knowing the Ryan family as I do, that's what I think would be brilliant. Yeah, we, there could have been a time where we had him on, but I think we're probably going to get the mum on. That's right. Six months down the line. Guys, thank you so much for giving us some time this afternoon. I feel like we've only we've only scratched the surface, but we're so lucky to have you, Evan, and you, Lana. So thank you for giving us some time. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, James. It was brilliant. Thank you so much. The IAB UK podcast. James Erskine from Rocket, Beth Oddy from Tribe, Lana the Stylish Voyager and Evan Erdinger there. The question I asked about what the ideal client brief looks like was one I reused from uh, a Q&A I was hosting last week with a Twitch creator. And it's a bit of a loaded one because I thought the answer would always be the same. Creators don't want a shopping list brief of things to do. So I was surprised when Lana said she preferred that but kind of totally get why and it's obviously horses for courses some things need a really really tight prescriptive brief some things need uh, lots of interpretation it makes total sense anyway check evan and lana out uh, links are in the episode notes digital upfront season is upon us at the iab kicking off next wednesday the 6th of october with Gaming Upfronts being streamed live from 2 o'clock in the afternoon, followed by Podcast Upfronts on the Thursday. Then into the next two weeks, where you can hear from YouTube, Yahoo, Amazon Ads, Facebook and Snap, there's a mouth-watering array of talent on show across the three weeks and a whole load of new product launches, rebrands and things to look out for in 2022. Two, IAB members can sign up to all the sessions via our site. Just visit iabuk.com forward slash upfronts. And there you'll find all the previous episodes of this podcast featuring the likes of TikTok, MGOMD, Bloom and Wild and many, many more. I hope you'll join us next week for Upfronts. And thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.